changes. What's the Word? Brought to you by Columbia Baptist Church in Columbia, Kentucky on 101.9 WAIN. I am Randy Johnson, the senior pastor at Columbia Baptist Church, and thank you for joining us every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock right here on 101.9 WAIN. Well, good evening again on this first Wednesday of September. Can you believe that we are already in the ninth month of the year? It is September, the first Wednesday evening, 6 o'clock right here on 101.9 WAIN. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. I am delighted, as always, that you're choosing to spend, I hope, an entire hour with me on this radio show. Uh, Some of you may be driving around. You may be in your home. You may be listening. uh, Hopefully you're not still at work, but if you work a shift where you have to stream this on your smartphone or on your computer, thank you for joining me that way. You can go to 1019wain.com and you can stream live this radio show. But if you happen to miss any or most of this radio program. It will be uploaded tomorrow morning on my podcast, and I have a podcast that is on the website anchor.fm, and if you will type in anchor.fm backslash walk this way, then you will find my podcast. You can also go to Google, Spotify, iTunes, Pocket Cast. There's 10 or so different ways that you can find walk this way. And I try to share that at the beginning of every show. I need to remember to share that at the end of each show. But if you have heard that before and you have a smartphone, any kind of, uh, you have an iPad or whatever it may be, you can find those apps and then you could subscribe to my podcast and catch all of the content. This is the 41st show that I have done over the last almost year, if you can believe that I've been doing the show for almost a year coming up on it. But all of those episodes are on that podcast, so you can find them all. If you want to go back and listen to other episodes and see some of the other content that I shared on those radio programs, I would certainly appreciate it. You can find it on Facebook. I have a Facebook page Uh, Pastor Randy Johnson, as well as my own personal Facebook page uh, under Randy Johnson. Or or you can go to the Columbia Baptist Church website, or you can go to the Columbia Baptist Church Facebook page. And there's always a link there to the podcast. So there's multiple ways to find it, is all I'm saying, just in case you are catching this and may not get all of the hour that I hope that you can spend with me. But on this evening... I have quite a few um, things that I'd like to share, have quite a few, you know, opportunities for you to, you know, kind of give me some feedback. I'd love to hear and would just want to encourage you to not only listen, but email me if you have thoughts, ideas, you know, responses to some of the content that I share with you. I'd love to hear from you and any way that, uh, that I can pray for you or encourage you, 
certainly you can find me at randy at columbiabaptist.com. And that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. And you can email me anytime. I'd love to get some feedback on the show. Well, like I said, I've got lots of content for you. I always try to find some things that I think will be interesting for you. Maybe some things that are on your radar. Maybe some things that you haven't even heard of. Some news stories or some happenings around the world that just might be something that draws you in, grabs your attention. Some things that are kind of funny. Some that see both sides of the subject. And some that are just downright make you shake your head and think, my goodness, what in the world are people thinking? Well, here's one that I can sort of see both sides to the issue. I read the other day that there was a woman who is deaf, and she drove up to a fast food restaurant. She drove up to a Burger King. And she plans to sue them because when she went to the drive through window, she says that they were unable to take her order because she had it written down rather than telling it over, you know, obviously many that, that are deaf, uh, at least from childhood, you know, are not able to, uh, to speak. They were, as a child, they weren't able to hear those sounds, sound them out, and, and so... She drove up to the window with her full order written down for herself and for her children. And she says that the manager, as well as the, the nice guy, I assume he was a nice guy, working at the window was not able to fill her order. And she is suing because she felt as though there was discrimination. She felt as though they were not doing their best to make her a satisfied customer is a good way to put it. And she just simply says that they just didn't try. They didn't try to give her service. They did not try to take care of her and to fill her order. And so she's going to sue Burger King. I don't know how all of this is going to work out. I don't know what's going to end up happening because the story just came out just the other day. But apparently, because they were busy, the guy working at the window said that they did not have time to do the full order. Now, I don't know if that's correct, but apparently some restaurants, now I will say that some fast food restaurants uh, they do have two different windows. They have one where they take your money, and then they have one where they give you the food. And a lot of times, that person working the window is not the one taking your order at the at the menu, at the, the, the speaker box that's out there where you typically will pull up, and there's a lit menu, a lit-up menu there, and you can place your order, and then you drive around to the first window, pay, go to the second window, get your food. And maybe this restaurant was set up to where somebody in another room was taking the order and somebody different would take the money and somebody different would give her the food. And maybe she drove up to the last window and was expecting to hand this guy her sheet of paper that had her menu, her order on it and was expecting to have the order placed. And maybe it was 
that they weren't able to take the order at that window um, because it is sort of a system, you know, that by the time you get to the second window, it's, you know, 30, 45 seconds have passed, maybe a minute, maybe a minute and a half because fast food really is fast. And by the time you get to that window, they're handing you your drink, your food is coming quickly, and then you're on your way. And maybe there was some issue. Maybe they were busy. And by the time she got to that second window, and I'm just supposing here, the story doesn't tell all of that, but apparently it was communicated to her that a note was written by an employee And the note that was handed back to her, obviously because he didn't know uh, sign language, it said, can't do a full order at the window, too busy. And that's the only rationale that she got. Well, like I said, I can see both sides of this issue. I can see Burger King saying, listen, Uh, We would love to take care of you, but this is not the way that we do the orders, and we are unable to fill the order in this way at this time because of how busy we are, and, you know, as as bad as they feel and, you know, as, as much as they would like to take care of this order, they just weren't able to. But I also understand the frustration of the lady who felt as though she was discriminated against because she was deaf. And going through the drive-thru, maybe she's done this before. Maybe she's had some fast food restaurants, and maybe even this particular Burger King in the past had been accommodating to her. Maybe she had gone at other times and they weren't as busy. But what I, the statement that I would make in response to Burger King, and I think in helping her out, I do think that had she gone into the restaurant handed the note to the person working at the counter, none of this would have been an issue because I, I, I don't think that they certainly wouldn't, I don't think they would have turned her away at the counter because, you know, you've got people that come up. You may have a longer wait than the people in the drive through but at least they would have gotten her food. So I understand her frustration and not being cared for and not being served by this restaurant. I do agree with her that I think Burger King should have tried harder in this situation, especially considering that she had a disability and was placing an order, regardless of how busy a fast food restaurant is, That's their business. That's what they do. They make these guarantees that they're going to have the food out, that they, you know, have enough people working in the kitchen and enough people working, you know, registers and things like that to get the food out quickly. And so I understand the lady's frustration to think, okay, well, I'm at a fast food restaurant. I place an order. I want the food. But I also can understand Burger King saying that maybe there was some glitch in the way that she got the, the order to them that they just weren't able to do it in a timely fashion. I read this story thinking to, you know, on the level of how we as a society, how we treat one another 
when things are a little different. You know, there are a lot of times that life throws you curveballs and things aren't exactly the way that you anticipate that they're going to be. And sometimes there are people that come into your life. There are sometimes people that come into our churches and there's sometimes people that you go to school with or work with and they just need a little extra care, a little extra concern, a little extra time and attention than maybe somebody else does. And it's not to say that the somebody else that you don't think needs the time and attention, it's not as though that person doesn't have any issues. It's just that whatever their issues are, are either internalized or they just haven't shared them with you. And it's not keeping some level of communication or some level of a relationship from moving forward. But, but obviously when people come into your life and they have a, a few extra issues, as a Christian, we have to look at people the way that God looks at us. And you think about your life for just a moment. If you were someone that was coming, to, coming, taking some issue to God, so let's say you're going to God in prayer and you have some extra burden and you realize, okay, this is different from what I've dealt with in the past. This is bigger. This is more debilitating. This is more frustrating. This is more confusing. A lot of times Christians will fail to bring those issues to God because they believe, just like Burger King in this situation, God can't handle it. He's too busy. Other people are more important. My needs are, are, are my issues, and I have to take care of those. And so what we do is we either don't share those issues with God or we just assume that he's just not going to get back with us and, and he's going to shoo us away the way that Burger King sent this lady on just because, like Burger King said to her, we don't have time for you. You know, your issues that you have and, and what you're dealing with is too much for us, and so you're just going to have to go away and uh, and come back another time because we just don't have the ability to take care of your concerns. And that's the way a lot of times we are with God. We just assume too many times that God is either too busy, our issues are too big, or we're just simply too prideful to even tell God in the first place and actually leave those concerns with him. Let me tell you that you might have an experience like this lady had with Burger King, and you may be turned away. But I'm going to tell you the truth. You'll never be turned away from God. Your issues are never too big. God is never too busy. And you should never be too prideful to just lay whatever issue and burden you have right before God, and know he will never send you away. Now, that's not to say that God is like this big grandfather in the sky and he'll just do whatever you tell him to do and give you whatever you ask him for. But listen, when you have an issue in your life, when you need leadership, when you need peace, when you need forgiveness, when you have a broken heart that needs mending, when you there's a relationship that needs repair, when there is some kind of, of choice that you're you know, faced with in life, and you just really don't know what to do, rather than holding all of that in and saying, well, God's too busy for me, try God out and give it to him and trust him in his time and in his way to work it out exactly the way that he knows that it should work out and leave it at that. And so when I read this story, I just thought, you know, a lot of us, we live in this fast food mentality 
And when things don't happen the way that we think that they should, we panic. Or, like I said, we just don't think enough in our relationship with God to even give these concerns to God in the first place. But my encouragement is wait on the Lord, but give him the problem now. In other words, you know, don't be once bitten, twice shy. Don't, don't think of God like a fast food restaurant and say, okay, well, I'm going to give God my problem and I'm going to give God my issue and I want him to fix it yesterday. You know, sometimes that's just irresponsible to think that the God of the universe will just instantly fix whatever issue you have the hot second that you ask him to do it. You know, God is infinite and knows infinitely more than we do. And perhaps the answer to that prayer is a day away, an hour away, a year away. But if you ask God to meet that need, whenever the answer comes, it's always the right time. So we don't need to rush God along, but we also don't need to be prideful and say, well, God's too busy. He can't handle my, my stuff. He can't handle my issues. So it goes both ways. And though, like I said, I can see both sides of this concern and both sides of this story, I do think that there are considerations for our walk with God that come out of that story. I don't know how your kids are, and I don't know what your diet consists of. We try at my house, we try to eat a, a balance of things, try to get some good clean protein, we try to get some fruits and vegetables, uh, try to get some healthy carbohydrates. You know, we don't live on pizza and hamburgers at our house. We try to eat a good variety of those things. And my wife does an amazing job of, of trying different recipes and introducing different things and some good healthy options. And, you know, even if the kids turn their nose up to it at the time, they at least know that what we're trying to do is to give them food that's good for them, but is also good. So I read a story off of Time Magazine, time.com, that said that a teenager a teenage boy, his diet consisted of fries, French fries, and sausage. And he ended up going blind as a result of it. Now, it is a rare side effect to a poor diet. The study shows that it, it's, it's not often that a child or some person will have blindness as a result of a bad diet. But when you don't give your body those things that it needs, then you're going to have issues. The, the story said that he first reported fatigue and tiredness when he was 14 years old. He was deficient in vitamin B12, had a few other health issues. And so he got some vitamin B12 injections and some, as it calls in the story, some dietary counseling. Well, the next year, he started having some hearing and vision problems, but the doctors didn't really know what was going on. Two years went by, and he eventually had worsening eyesight and eventual blindness. And at that time, the doctors found that his vitamin B12 
was continuing to go down, but ever since elementary school, he would only eat certain texture of food. And so this is the most of what this kid ate. He ate French fries, Pringles chips, white bread, ham, and sausage. That's it. And of course, uh, a side effect of going blind of a diet like this is common in places in, around the world where there's poverty and food is scarce and, and you know people just have to eat whatever in the world they can find, literally. And so these kinds of health concerns are a natural byproduct of not having the food balance in your body and, and, and all of those things that you need. And sometimes when you have high alcohol and tobacco use, it even if you have a decent diet, it keeps you from absorbing certain nutrients that your body needs. And obviously a, a case of someone losing their sight because of things that they eat is a rare thing. But the boy had a very limited diet, and he didn't have any B vitamins. He also did not have copper in his system, and it became severe enough that he lost nerve damage and vision loss. Now, it does not take a biblical scholar to draw the connection between the human body physically and the human and their soul spiritually. Because in Jesus' day, the Pharisees and, and the teachers of the law and the interpreters of the law were coming up with extra requirements to be holy. And outside of the Old Testament law, the, the, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, were coming up with several hundred and, in fact, several thousand additional laws that they felt were just as and possibly even more important than the law of God, is what we call the law of Moses in the book of, uh, of Exodus and Leviticus, Numbers, and the, you know, in the Old Testament, first five books of the, New Te of the Old Testament. And what Jesus would tell them was because they were so concerned about what went in the human body to make a person spiritually unholy, Jesus just plain and flat says it's not what goes in the mouth that makes a person unholy. It is what comes out of their heart. It is literally what comes out of their life that makes a person unholy. In other words, a person can eat what the, the Jews of the day would call an unholy or unacceptable meat. But even in doing that, Jesus said in the first century, that's not what makes a person unholy. Listen, if your diet of the Bible, if your lifestyle as a Christian is seriously and spiritually deficient in terms of your Bible study, the time that you spend with God, the amount of time that you pray throughout the day and throughout the week, the time that you spend with God's people in worship and in Bible study and discussion and discipleship. If those 
basic building blocks for every Christian are deficient in your life, you can guarantee there's going to be some spiritual deficiency show up somewhere in your life. And you may in some ways be spiritually blind. In some ways you may be spiritually deaf. In some ways you may lose your sensitivity to certain sin, to certain temptation, to certain issues, to certain kinds of direction from preaching and from Bible study and discipleship classes and all of that. You may be completely blind and deaf to that still small voice of God when he's leading you away from a temptation and toward doing God's will, there may be something that you're missing out on because you don't have a steady diet of those basic building blocks of the Word of God, of time of prayer, time with God's people, time in discipleship, and real growth as a believer. You know, back to this kid that lost his vision, his parents described him as a fussy eater. And a lot of times we can be fussy, fussy Christians. We can be fussy eaters when it comes to the Bible. You know, in fact, there are some passages and some portions of the Bible that most people, most Christians absolutely love. We have no problem with it, have no issue with it. It sounds fantastic. But there are some words, phrases, verses, sections, teachings in the Bible that hit us between the eyes that sometimes, depending on our level of fussiness, we may not want to hear. We may not be interested in hearing what the Bible says about certain relationships, what the Bible says about what we look at, what we think about, how we speak to one another. We may not want to hear about what Jesus had to say about forgiving someone that wrongs us. We may have no issue at all with certain teachings of the Bible, with certain important instructions on how to live as a Christian as a result of our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But there may be some serious deficiencies that we have because we've drawn a line to certain kinds of teachings, and when we begin to hear it, we just turn our nose to it. Like it's a, a plate full of broccoli or Brussels sprouts or something that, or spinach, something that we just don't like. And so just like this 14-year-old who lost his vision as a, po uh, in, in, as a result of being a fussy eater, there are times that those kinds of things are going to happen to you. And the potential, by the way, is always there to get to that kind of an extreme. Now, again, it said in the article that losing your vision over a poor diet was rare. And it may be rare physiologically to lose your eyesight as a result of poor eating. But it's not that rare to be spiritually inept and spiritually unable to discern certain things from God or to really dig into the Word of God and, and find those deep truths and let them resonate with your soul if you're not used to it and if you're a fussy spiritual Christian. It's just like, you know, keeping the eating thing going. 
it's just like the way in which a baby grows and the type of food and even the style of food that a baby eats. You know, when a, when a, a child is just born, all they need is milk. They can't chew solid food. They can't swallow solid food. They don't need solid food. All they need is milk. Milk, formula, you know, those basic, that basic building block of, of food. As they get a little bit older, the milk no longer satisfies them. And so a lot of times moms and dads will begin to mix some of that milk or some of that formula with cereal. Something with a little more substance to it. Something that's got a little, maybe a little protein, some extra carbs in it, some other things that will help the baby to develop. And then you start introducing pureed vegetables. I remember buying those little bitty jars for all of our kids. We'd go into the grocery store and we'd buy four or five little cans of peas, four or five little cans of sweet potatoes, four or five little cans of pureed corn or whatever it might be. And we'd have a little milk. We'd have a little, uh, give the child or give our babies a little bit of milk, a little bit of cereal and a little bit of those vegetables. And then we started buying the bigger jars that had a little bit bigger food in it. And then we started to make our own baby food. You know, you, you get a food processor and you start mixing up spaghetti and mac and cheese and all of what ends up happening with the child is slowly they begin to eat more and more solid food. And before you know it, they're ordering a steak off the menu when you go out to eat at a restaurant. And you look at them and you think it wasn't that long ago that all they were doing was eating watered-down cereal with pureed peas and carrots. And now they're ordering a steak and a baked potato. They're eating chips. They're eating bread. The, you know, they're eating all of this other stuff. And, and, and you just wonder where the time go. You see, that's what happens when you give your body what it needs. Then it begins to develop the way that it ought to. Spiritually speaking, it's no different. If you are a great prayer warrior, but you never read the Bible, then your ability to grow in your prayer life is going to be hindered because of the lack of depth that you have in the Word of God. If you are a studier in the Bible, but you fail to be a person of prayer or you fail to be someone who evangelizes the, the lost and you never tell anybody about the truth of God's word and what Jesus did to, to purchase their sin and to save their soul, then you're going to be spiritually deficient in certain areas of your life. And so that's why we've just got to keep feeding. We have to keep eating. We have to keep devouring the word of God, worship with God's people, our prayer life, sharing our faith, those basics of being a Christian, and just keep on growing in those areas so that we can develop to be the kinds of Christians that are healthy and strong and mature. And we have to use our spiritual gifts. Those are like flexing your spiritual muscles. You know, I remember the first time that, that I preached. And the first two times that I preached, I was in high school. And we had a youth Sunday in our small Southern Baptist church. And on youth Sunday, I preached as a junior in high school on Sunday night. 
It wasn't a terrible message, but it certainly wasn't good. It was on video tape or audio tape, and I still have that audio cassette. I sound like I'm four years old, but I was 16, you know, at the time, and I had never even considered being a pastor. But I stood up there and I flexed my spiritual muscles as puny as they were, and I did the best I could. And then my senior year, I preached on Sunday morning, and that message was the most awful. It was five minutes long. I repeated myself two or three times, and it was five minutes long, and it was, it was awful. And I have that audio cassette as well. But little did I know that in just a few years, God would knock again on my, on my heart and in my mind and say, Randy, I want you to be a pastor. I want you to be a preacher of the Word of God, and I want you to do that uh, as a calling on your life full time. You know, had I not been willing to flex those spiritual muscles of Bible study, of prayer, of all of the investment that had been done in me over the years and say yes to an ability that God had given to me to communicate his word, then I wonder what my life would have turned out to be had I been a fussy eater, you know, and and been unwilling to say, no, I don't want that. That doesn't taste good to me. I don't want to do that. I don't want that on my plate. Rather than just saying to God, God, thank you for giving me what you know that I need. And listen, there have been times just as a student of the Bible, you open up the Bible and God tells you something from his word and you want to close it and say, no, thank you. I don't want any of that. But you see, God always knows exactly what we need, when we need it, and how much we need it. And when we are regular in our Bible study, our time of prayer, all of these things I've mentioned, then we will begin to grow and develop and be the kinds of Christians that will really seek to honor the Lord. You know, that that kind of thinking of being a fussy eater, I... You know, it just makes me laugh because I know that it's more than just a few of us. Well, you know, sometimes some of us have really clever thoughts. And some of those clever thoughts are tweeted out on Twitter, put on Facebook, said, you know, in in an office someplace. And some of them are just, why didn't I think of that sooner? I read some of these statements that once you hear them, it'll, it, the, the article says it'll make you rethink everything. Somebody once wrote, if you work at a farm and your job is to take care of the chickens, you're a chicken tender. Now see, that's genius. Why didn't I ever think of tending chickens and taking care of chickens and calling myself a chicken tender? And yet how many times at a restaurant have I heard my daughter or one of my other kids order chicken tenders and I've never thought, well, why are we going to eat the guy that tends the chickens? It's ridiculous. Somebody wrote, it's not correct. and And I had to show someone the math to prove it. But somebody wrote, you ever think about how the year 3000 is literally 81 years away? Uh, No, it's not. The year 2100 is 81 years away, but 
the year 3000 is not 81 years away. But somebody writes that stuff down. You know, this this is what uh, this this is what goes through goes through people's minds. But this is this is really a, a classic one. I love the idea that somebody actually wrote down, quote, somebody made up dinosaur sounds without ever hearing them. I had to think about that for a minute, and I thought, now how did Steven Spielberg, who made Jurassic Park, how did he know what a T-Rex sounded like? You know what? He doesn't. He doesn't. Just because it's big and has a big mouth and big teeth, that doesn't mean that it roars the way that, that it does in the movie and have that tone, have that sound. You don't know that. I thought that was that was genius. I mean, there are some there are some of these that now, now that the one that I just read to you really makes you think. This one that I'm about to tell you is going to make you laugh, I think. I read this to Aaron LaBarge, our family pastor, uh yesterday and he just chuckled. And it says, quote, if we all get face tattoos, they can't not hire all of us. Now you think about that for just a moment. You could be discriminated against and not hired someplace because you have a face tattoo. But if you have if everybody had a face tattoo, they can't not hire all of us. That's genius. That's hilarious. But, you know, things that make you think. I, I saw on this list that somebody wanted to put a petition together to rename mini golf to just golf and call regular golf large golf. I thought that was great. Two more for you before I move on to something serious. Somebody once said, you know, whoever named meatballs did an outstanding job. I mean, it's just a ball of meat, and calling it a meatball is about as unoriginal as you can get. But I love this one. This one was pretty funny, and it just said, accents are just mouth fonts. You know, when you read a font that's written differently than another font, you kind of tend to read it a little different. But, you know, you have people have different accents, and and if if it's English and it's just a fancy way of saying the same thing. So accents are just mouth fonts. I thought that was pretty funny. Tweets that will make you rethink everything. You know, speaking of rethinking everything and really beginning to ask yourself, is it worth it? Should I do this? Is this something that I should rethink in terms of my physical body? I read a couple of stories last week, and then this one popped up yesterday, and so I just thought, you know, I've got to mention this on the air. But a lot of people have put either tobacco or, you know, some kind of tobacco products, whether it's smoking. You know, some people have bought marijuana, rolled it up, smoked it. Other things that people put in their bodies that don't belong and don't do any good. But I read this story that said a Pennsylvania teenager is now in a medically induced coma because of a lung illness linked to vaping. 
Now, if you don't know what vaping is, vaping is supposed to be safer than smoking. And, you know, you can get it to where it doesn't smell bad. It doesn't smell, you know, at all. You can get it to where it smells nice. You can put different things in these little plastic little chargers and it's kind of an electric smoke you don't need a lighter it's just it's battery powered and and you breathe it in breathe it out and it's supposedly safer than smoking so they say but this 19 year old is now dependent on a heart and lung machine at the hospital of the university of pennsylvania and his health has deteriorated. In fact, his mother says it's horrible every day to see him like this. The kid is 19 years old. And he's on a heart and lung machine. And it's because he, you know, started vaping. Uh, he had been doing it for a while. He had a coughing fit that lasted two weeks. Seemed to get worse. They didn't know what was going on. They figured it was asthma. But they realized that it was from vaping. It was from what they call e-cigarettes. And they knew that it was from vaping after doing some tests and realized it wasn't just asthma. They knew it was vaping, but they said that they'd never dealt with anything like this before. And they're treating everything that they could. I mean, the kid... He had double pneumonia. They were treating it with antibiotics. They were doing all of these different things, but they said that because of the more foreign elements and vaping and e-cigarettes, they just didn't know what was going on. And they didn't know if he would recover, if he needed lung surgery, or if he would even survive. His dad said, honest to God, the first time I walked in there, after right after the whole thing, he said, I honestly thought he was dead. He looked dead. I mean, his lungs are, are deteriorating. There's another 17-year-old boy whose lungs are completely blocked as a result of vaping. And the doctors have no idea if he's going to make it through it or not. And his parents had no idea about his son's vaping habit. See, you have kids that have access to stuff like that at school, whether it's college, whether it's high school, whether it's middle school. And kids have access to this stuff. I mean, some of the stuff, if not all of it, you can order this off of Amazon. You can get vaping stuff and e-cigarette. You can order all that. You don't have to go into a store and produce an ID. Now, to order tobacco products, you do, but not this e-cigarette stuff, not this vaping stuff. Kids are getting it from their older siblings or getting it from their fun uncles or their super cool aunt, or maybe their parents are saying, oh, sure, it's not cigarettes. Of course, you can do that. You'll look cool and it'll be great and everything is wonderful and and it's just you know everybody's doing it but there's no harm to it well guess what now there is harm harm is being done by stuff that's going in your body that doesn't belong and just like this 17 year old whose lungs are failed back on july 26th his lungs just completely shut down 
and it was all because of vaping. They had no idea. The doctors had no idea what they were dealing with. The parents had no idea the kid was doing it. I mean, we're talking x-rays, we're talking pneumonia, we're talking diseases. You know, all of these experts in pediatrics, pulmonology, you know, all of this stuff, people are coming together trying to figure it out. The FDA investigated 127 seizures linked to e-cigarettes. The Centers for, the Centers for uh, Disease Control found 153 cases of severe lung disease related to vaping. Now, I know that, you know, folks de dealt with the same thing when it came to tobacco, when it came to cigarettes, and, and, and probably even on down to marijuana. You know, we're trying to regulate everything and, you know, telling people what they can and can't do. Listen, if people want to vape, if people want to smoke marijuana, if people want to buy cigarettes, if people want to smoke cigars, if people want to put foreign stuff in their body in pill form or whatever it might be, if they have a desire to do it, if they purchase it, and if they have people around them that are encouraging them to do it, supplying them with it, people are going to do what they want to do. The government can do the best they can to regulate this stuff, to outlaw it, to have it medically approved, to do whatever they can do through the government to regulate it. They can go through every hoop possible known to man. But if people want to do it and they want to buy it, they'll find a way to get it. The point is this. When you put things in your body that do not belong, they're going to have bad effects. This is true of food. This is true of smoke. This is true of alcohol. This is true of drugs. When you put an excess quantity of bad food in your body, bad things are going to happen. When you put products in your body and in your bloodstream and in your heart, in your lungs, you know, in your bloodstream, if you put stuff like that in your body, medically speaking and physiologically speaking, bad things are going to happen. This is why in our community and in every community, we've got to be on our knees, on our face, praying to the Lord to have a community that is serious about ridding our community of drugs, alcohol, abuse, all of these kinds of addictions. And we've got to start at the child level. We've got to start in elementary school educating parents, educating students, showing these kinds of examples to say, this is not cool. These kids were doing something that they thought was fun, that they thought was cool. They looked awesome, they, I'm sure they thought, having the smoke roll out of their mouth and roll out of their nose, and they just felt like they were on top of the world until this foreign substance started to shut their body down and react in a way that their body was not designed to handle. 
as a Christian, it is about what we do and what we do not put in our body. It is about what we do and what we do not put into our mind, into our heart, into our life. And, and, and the correlation is extremely simple. If we put things in our spiritual life that do not belong, then some bad effects are going to come. If, on the other hand, we put good things into our spiritual life, then some good is going to come. Now, I already covered some of those good things and really hammered on that for quite some time. But think for just a minute, what are some of those bad things? And again, you know, people can, can disagree on what is good, what is bad, what's right, what is wrong. And the Bible speaks in a lot of different places, especially in the New Testament, to New Testament Christians about some of those things that belong or don't belong in our life as believers. But let's just take for a moment, just take the, the list of things that Paul gives to the church in Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul mentions several issues that what he calls are the works of the flesh. And he also mentions the fruit of the Spirit. Now, let's just take these two lists of things and let's just say, just for the sake of time, because I'm running out of time, but just for the sake of time, for the sake of argument, let's just say these two lists are the only two lists that you have of things that either don't belong in your spiritual life and in your body and things that do belong in your life. Here's the things that do not. Paul says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. But he says, the works of the flesh, this is uh, Galatians 5 verse 19, he says, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. If this, by the way, was the only list in all of the Bible, which it is not, and this is not the only passage of Scripture where the Bible warns us against putting things in our life and in our body that don't belong. But let's just suppose this was literally the only list that existed anywhere in the Bible to say stay away from and avoid these things. This would be a really strong comprehensive list. I don't have time to go through these one by one, and you're probably thankful for that. But when you've got things on here like sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality, Paul is saying the things of a sexual nature that are outside of the will and the word of God. You think about diseases, you think about all of the issues that can come with, with just countless issues with all sorts of sexual deviancy, with sexual immorality and impurity, and he just lists Three words, and the key word there is impurity. Anything of a sexual nature that is not pure and guided by God shouldn't exist. Then he goes into this list of idolatry, sorcery, and I mean, just those two words alone. Anything related to the occult, anything related to 
issues of black magic or or other types of you know spiritualism that is contrary to the Holy Spirit. He says things like enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries and dissensions and divisions. Oh my goodness, those words just scream anger, bad relationships, jealousy, all of these just emotional, this emotional baggage that people put into their life where they just get angry, they just get, you know, they just get frustrated and they get uh, jealous of other people and they just fly off the handle. And I've heard so many people say, oh, well, that's just the way I am. No, it's the way that you allow yourself to be. Because Paul says in the Bible, that's a work of the flesh. I mean, he talks about envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. We're talking about, when he says drunkenness and orgies, he's talking about there's a clear line of right and wrong. And with drunkenness and orgies and things like these, basically what he's saying is you've run past where the line of acceptableness is. And you've gone past that line to the point of you've lost self-control. Now, the list of things that are appropriate and are acceptable, listen to the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If that was the only list in all of the Bible of ways in which we can display the work of God in our life through the fruit of the Spirit, through the outworking of God because of what God is doing inside of us and qualities that we ought to desire to see in our life, if this was the only list of positive things that we could see in our life, this would be an amazing comprehensive list as well. But these, he says, are the work of or the fruit of the Holy Spirit. See, the works of the law are things that we do in our flesh that we should not. The work or the fruit of the Holy Spirit are things that God does within us that only God can. And so this is going back to being that fussy eater. If we say, no, Mom, I want to live on pizza, sausage, and french fries. I want to eat nothing but white bread and ham. I don't want broccoli. I don't want cauliflower. I don't, well, I don't want sweet potatoes. I don't want grilled chicken. I want this. I want that. Then what we're doing is we're satisfying the flesh rather than having a healthy diet of what God says is good for us. God knows that it is good for our soul to be filled with love and joy and peace and patience, to show kindness and goodness and faithfulness to others and to God, to be gentle in how we deal with one another and to be filled with self-control. God knows that it is healthy for us to have these kinds of attitudes that produce positive action, that show people that God is at work in us. We either feed the flesh or we allow the spirit of the living God to feed us. It's really what it comes down to. 
we either do what we want to do or we allow God to do in us what only God can do. That's the difference between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. The work of the flesh is me saying to God, I'm a fussy eater, this is what I'm going to eat, and this is what I expect you to do for me and what I want you to give me. However, being a balanced Christian and a balanced believer says, God, whatever you put on my plate is obviously what you know that I need. And if you tell me to stay away from that, I'm going to stay away from it. If you tell me that I need more of that in my life, then that's exactly what I'm going to put in my life. And God, if you tell me that you know what is best and you say, uh, you know, Randy, this is what this is where I need you to go. This is who I need you to talk to. This is what I need you to do with your life. This is the kind of behavior I need you to have. This is the way that I want you to talk. This is the conduct I want out of your life. And if God puts that stuff on your plate, then you need to devour it. If God calls you to be a person of prayer, if God calls you to be a deep student of his word, if God gently reminds you and leads you to share your faith with someone who needs to know Jesus, then you devour those good things of God like it is your last meal. And the Bible makes it crystal clear in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that it is our goal It is our aim in life to please the Lord, whether we are in heaven or on earth. This brief amount of time that God has given to us on this planet is not ours to just do whatever we want to do, however we want to do it. Listen, friend, you can do that. God will give you the opportunity to run as far away from him as you want to. But he also warns you to say, if that's the route that you choose, there may be and will be some spiritual blindness. There's going to be some callousness. There's going to be some pain. There's going to be some heartache. There's going to be some consequences of that sin. But God promises us if we run toward him instead, if we eat what he puts on our plate, if we avoid the things that are harmful to us and we come to him rather than running from him, then God promises us if we do that, that there will be love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and all of those fruits of the Spirit will then be displayed on our plate for us to devour like it is our last meal. And so we are, in many ways, a product of what we put in our life. And if we put God first, and if we saturate our life with the Word of God and allow Him to fill us with His Holy Spirit, then there is no telling all of the great things that God can do in your life. Listen, just like every Wednesday, I'm so thankful that you joined me tonight. I hope that tonight was an encouragement to you as it, as it was to me. I'm more blessed to do this radio show than any person who's listening to it, and I appreciate your time and your attention. If you would, tomorrow morning, at some point during the morning, Go to anchor.fm backslash walk this way. 
subscribe to my podcast, find it on iTunes, find it on Google or Spotify or Pocket Cast or however you listen to podcasts, find Walk This Way and subscribe. But I appreciate you joining me this evening. I hope that you have a blessed evening and a wonderful rest of the week. Look forward to worshiping on Sunday and giving God the glory in all of your life. Thank you for joining me tonight on 101.9 WAIN. Hey, this is Pastor Randy Johnson. Thank you so much for joining me for What's the Word? That show airs every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock on 101.9 WAIN right here in the heart of Adair County in Columbia, Kentucky. Or you can catch the replay of What's the Word on my podcast, which is called Walk This Way. And you can find that in several different places. You can find it at anchor.fm backslash walk this way on the internet, or you can find it on different apps and, and places that carry podcasts like iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and all sorts of uh, places. You can find this broadcast. You can find messages that I've preached. And I just want to encourage you to make it a point to tune in, subscribe, and listen to all sorts of content that's on my podcast, which is called, again, Walk This Way. Thank you so much for joining me.